Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was nervous. I was shy. Um, I didn't know exactly what to say or how to say it. It, it really took um, trial and error for me to, re- that's probably why it took me a year to, to place my vending machine somewhere because it just, I didn't pre- present myself as that person. I just was young and I, you know, was really hell bent on this idea and making it happen and not working for the rest of my life that I just kept going. Um, Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And if this show has been of any value to you, I just ask you a huge favor. Please share the show, especially this episode once you hear it. Share it with someone who needs to hear it. Leave a rating and a review, a like, something on the podcast, especially Apple, because then we can just expand in the algorithm. I'm learning all these new things about podcasting, (laughs) but you know, the message that we're trying to share here will get presented to more people. If we have you just like and share it with one other person, that would mean so much to me. And in any case, let's get right into the show. Today we have with us, I'm actually excited because it's a little bit outside of our normal, but I just found out there is something within the normal that I normally, you know, people I normally um, interview, but Miss Kenzie Barrett is here with us today. And thank you for joining. Um, Just really quick before you jump in, I also want to read over your bio, um, which I thank you for sending because it's really great. So Kenzie is a young entrepreneur who is determined to blaze a trail of success. She started her financial journey by selling cold drinks and snacks from a vending machine. She actually has a vending machine business. I know I want to touch on that and has since grown that business to include multifamily real estate. Not only is she building her own wealth, but she is helping others do the same. 
Kenzie has a podcast called The New Adults Club, which focuses on teaching young adults about various aspects of adulthood, from finding a job to building wealth and everything in between. So she provides answers in an informative and entertaining way. And I actually, I haven't been able to listen to it yet. Are you live on your podcast yet? You are. Yeah, okay. actually, yeah, we, we are. We just, um, we just um, finished our last episode um, last week. Okay. All right. So I have to definitely jump onto that. I consider myself young, no matter what the birth <laughs> certificate says. So <laughs> I'm sure I will find plenty of gems in there. Um, mm -hmm. But Kenzie is passionate about making a positive impact in the world and doing that through her business, her podcast, and all the resources that she makes available to listeners. Um, so through hard work and dedication, she's an inspiration to anyone who is interested in starting their own business ventures. Well, okay, that was great deep breath now for me. Sorry, you can please. Hi, thank you. Thank you Hi. for being today. That was an amazing intro. Thanks so much. Well, you wrote it. Thank you for <laughs> <laughs> providing it to me. Um, so quick backstory. I recently met Kenzie at mm -hmm. a, what are those called again? Oh my God. Yes, vision board party. I don't know why did I have a brain fart for that. I was thinking about that all day because I just thought it was such a great idea. Okay, a vision board party, an in-person, that she had a virtual option, but I had never been to an in-person vision board group party mm -hmm. before. I'd always just done vision boards on my own, normally virtual, because I'm not, I didn't have the patience to cut out little pieces of paper and do all that. Right. <laughs> but because she provided everything for us, um, it was very well organized. But anyway, I met Kenzie there and we just happened to start talking. And when I found out she was doing, I was like, actually, I think I need you on the podcast. And you also said when you said you were starting a podcast and then I was like, that makes, that just like gave me the idea. Anyway, mm -hmm. thank you again for coming. And I guess this, this has been a long, <laughs> random info backstory kind of intro, but mm -hmm. tell everyone kind of how you got started and did you always have an entrepreneurial type of mindset and spirit? Um, and what got you started with the vending machines came first, right? Yeah, that so was- So how did you get started with that and what was the first thing you did? Um, honestly, my entrepreneurship journey really started after reading um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I actually started working at 15 years old. I didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit in me. Um, I always um, revered working hard, um, getting a job. You know, those, those are the things that I've been taught. Um, so that's what I did. I started working at 15 years old and I didn't know how to communicate this at, at that age. Um, but I, I knew like, this is not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I didn't want to work for someone else. You know, I, I started working at libraries and I went um, to work restaurants and cashier and concierge, you know, just everything that I can definitely do at my young age. Um, and then I finally read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then it was just like a light bulb that went in my head. Like, yeah, um, this is not something that you definitely can't do for the rest of your life. Like, there has to be a way for you to sleep and make money and live your life and travel and do all the things that you are excited to do. And you have to be happy to wake up and do what you love. So yeah, I started 
I was very young though. I was about 17 years old when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I had limited resources. Um, then I had no car. <laughs> I had a minimum wage job. Um, so the options for me were very limited on what I could do. So I just researched all types of business. Um, it first went from, you know, doing hair to doing lashes to, you know, just researching. I never really started um, these things. And then vending was was perfect because it it was basically me just putting a machine somewhere, stocking it and, you know, um, letting it make money while I sleep. And um, the at the time, um, it was just like $5,000 to get started. Um, that's nothing now, but I, then it was a lot of money. Um, but it was, you know, the closest thing that I can um, amount that I can definitely, you know, saved up at the time. So I started doing that. Um, it took me about a year to um, finally place my vending machine. Um, I knew nothing about um, starting a business, owning a business. So really all I started with was flyers and an LLC. And I just went around um, handing out my flyers to anyone who would listen, any business that I felt like my vending machines would prosper in. And it took about a year until I finally found a laundromat that would take my machines. Um, I placed them in there and yeah, the rest is history. I have so many questions. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard about the vending machine business so many times. I follow a couple of accounts on IG and it's mm -hmm. always I know that they always seem make it seem simpler than it really is. So one. How long did it take you to save up the 5K to get your first machine? Was that well, for the machine was, and the snacks inside or what did that look yeah, like? Yeah, it was for the machine and the snacks inside. I bought a used machine. Um, and From where? I, I used my mom's BJ card um, to buy the snacks for my machine. Um, but I bought my used um, machine From BJ's? Online. BJ sells? Yeah, they, they're just they don't sell vending machines. Well, I, I'm not sure if they sell vending machines, actually. I don't, oh, you I don't bought a used so. one from BJ's. Right. How did you even find out they were selling it? Um, well, I was just searching online. Um, and honestly, before I honestly went out to BJ's to get my machine, um, I encountered a website that was like not an actual vending machine website and I spent all my money on it and it was like a scam. So um, to protect myself, um, I ended up getting my money back though, um, but to protect myself, I wanted to go with like a reliable source, someone that I knew, like, I know BJ's just not gonna run off of my money, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. an actual company. So I just really did a, a Google search, went to the store, looked out the machine and said, hey, Listen, I know you've been digging in, studying everything you can, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, even going to meetups. You basically have a degree from YouTube University, right? But you still feel stuck. You don't know how to actually implement what you've learned. You're nervous about taking the next step. So I've decided to start the Microfamily Investing Accelerator. This is a mentorship program where I personally guide you through my five proprietary pillars so you can learn how to buy your first commercial multifamily property and scale while not biting off more than you can chew. 
by focusing on five to 20 units. That's what I call microfamily. And so you can also get hands-on guidance from an experienced microfamily investor who's been right where you are. And so you can also create the cash flow needed to give you freedom and options to build the abundant life that you were destined to live. So I'll be limiting the first cohort because they'll have direct access to me and I will be heavily invested in their success. If you're ready to grab 2023 by the horns, schedule a free discovery call with me today. The link is in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. See, that's interesting because, and that was important. I'm glad that came out because that's an important part of the journey that right. you went to buy your first machine and got kind of scammed. Like they, right. they hacked you kind of. Um, how, what, how do you get your money back from something like that? I would have just thought that that was a loss. Uh, my car, thank God. Um, I was able to call them and let them know that I never received my merchandise that I purchased. Um, so they ended up getting my money back. Huh. The importance of using a credit card on big purchases <laughs> like this, because then you and have I had no idea at the time. Protection. Oh, that's great. Okay. So that's good. And then even though you got your money back, your mom let you use her BJ's card to buy the other one was, did she make you pay her back? Or is that like a little, a gift to you? Um, no, I had to pay for it. <laughs> Dang it. But so it definitely taught me um, responsibility and yeah. just business. Really, I, I'm grateful for like that lesson for sure. Because um, okay. it, it allowed me to do the numbers correctly. Um, and it was a learning curve for sure. Yeah. How do the numbers correctly? What's, what's that mean? Like, how did you learn how to do the numbers and how much you should pay for a vending machine? How much you would have to pay per month for costs and how much you could expect to like get in revenue. Like, how did you even get that blueprint of how to analyze something like that? Well, um, I just knew how much I had um, to spend and I knew how much I wanted to make. Um, and then I calculated the actual um, foot traffic in my business. So I lowballed myself, you know, this is something that they teach you in real estate as well, you know, always be conservative. Um, so I was conservative with the numbers. A laundromat is a very busy place. Um, and it was the, the laundromat that my um, machine was placed in was in a very busy neighborhood. So even though I had all those, you know, great advantages, I still wanted to be conservative and make sure that I'm not you know, doing too much and setting myself up for failure. So um, I just lowballed the numbers. So let's say uh, it was so long ago, I really can't tell you the exact number, but let's just say it was like 100 people a day. I probably did half or, or maybe a lot of least than that. And then times all the um, products in my, in my machine. And I just did that number. And it's, it, I realized that it would take me about three months to get my money back um, for the actual machine. And then with the snacks, uh, it would just pay for itself. And then whatever I do make, I just reinvest into new locations. Okay, so I need to, Jesus, this, this episode is gonna be way longer than I thought because I, got, <laughs> I just have so many questions that I wanna keep going back and going over. Okay, how did you even find, what is the equation? Is there an equation that you use to calculate that? Can you spell that out for me? Because I'm simple. And then also, um, did you have a resource that you use? Like, where did you 
go to find what that, you know, like what, what website or wherever, who did you talk to? What website did you go to as your resource for information for how to have a know, like what to look at for foot traffic, like foot traffic, mm-hmm. you say that to me and I'm just like, okay, I know that means like how busy a place is, but yeah. I have no how to calculate that into like how much snacks I should have in the machine, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So first, can you spell out this equation for me? <laughs> Okay, so it's not like an actual equation. It's something that I just like put down. So let's say, okay, so I spent 5000 on the machine, right? Yeah. And then um, my location, I calculated 30 people a day. Who would, would buy a snack? 30 people right. a day would buy one snack. Right. Okay. Right. And then you times that by the amount of slots that are available in your machine. So an average snack machine usually has about 100 slots. Okay. So you do that times 30. Okay. And you get 300, right? Yeah. Um, Make sure, let me put out the calculators. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing it on a piece of paper right now too, because I need to keep track. Mm-hmm. And I know that's and not then, only for me, I know someone else is going to be listening to this and, and need to figure out what these numbers look like. Right. So you have 3000 and then 300. Um, no, 30 times a hundred is 2000. Oh yeah. Because I'm simple. Like I said, go ahead. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's okay. My calculator is my best friend. That's, that's how I, yes out here so um and then you have to um also factor in your um fee so um at the time um i I wasn't paying a fee but nowadays you're most likely would have to pay a fee to have your machine placed in a location Mm -hmm. um when you do do this though like when you're going out to advertise to different um businesses don't ever um say like um, you know, I'll give you 5% of sales, like always, always advertise vending as a, as a pro for their clients. Cause it is, you know, they clients get a snack, they get a drink, you know, it's something to keep them busy while, you know, well, you're attending other customers yeah. or yeah. But yeah. So at the time I didn't have a fee, but most likely you probably would have a fee now because vending is so saturated now. Um, so you have to calculate that and then your actual uh, snacks. Um, I'm, when I first started, I was paying about like $150 for all my snacks, including my drinks, per my month. chips, cookies. Yes, a month. And then you just subtract that from your total um, of 3000 and mm-hmm. that's how much you take home. So the 3000 minus the fee rent, the rental space, if you have that, minus the right. cost of snacks. Right. So the 3000 then as a revenue number is the 30 people a day. But if you're timesing that by the number of snacks, 100, mm-hmm. how many snacks are, is each person buying? Oh, because it's like, oh, this is a monthly number kind of thing. Right. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Number of snacks, number of people per day. <laughs> okay, so how long, I know you said it took about a year to get into your first location. What was that process like? Um, especially when you didn't have a location yet 
and you're a, a young person approaching these store owners and talking about your business that you want to put into their vending machine, how did you present yourself as reliable and that you knew what you were doing? And how did you kind of sell the concept to the owners until you finally got the one who said yes? Well, to be completely honest, um, I was none of those things. <laughs> I was nervous. I was shy. Um, I didn't know exactly what to say or how to say it. It, it really took um, trial and error for me to, that's probably why it took me a year to, to place my vending machine somewhere because it just, I didn't pre present myself as that person. I just was young and I, you know, was really hell bent on this idea and making it happen and not working for the rest of my life that I just kept going. Um, I, I started vending like right before the pandemic. So that's when like I started handing out flyers. So it was hard even then I had to put like flyers under the door of businesses because, you know, things were closed. People weren't really talking to you. It was very much mask and gloves, everything. So um, that's something that I had to grow into um, to learn how to communicate. I'm still learning, you know, now um, I would, say I'm still pretty shy, um, but I've learned how to um, connect with people and um, really share um, how I've been able to, to be successful in my business and how I'm really passionate about helping others do the same. You know, vending is definitely was a stepping stone for me. Um, and it's something I definitely see in the future being um, a great business, um, but it's definitely not what I love. It's, it's not I don't think is what I was born to do, um, but it's, it was my learning. It's what I, it's what I needed to learn where I'm at right now. If that makes that. Sense. It makes so much sense. It's not what you were born to do, but it's what you needed to do in right. order for that stepping stone to happen. And I think a lot of people get stuck on the idea of finding their sole purpose and they let that uh, prevent them from taking any movement. Right. moving forward at all, doing anything. Sometimes you just have to pick a general direction. Sometimes you have to pick something that's going to give you a skill. And once you start moving in that direction and doing those things, like, cause what did you learn during that year? Like you learned a ton with tenacity, oh, grit, like how to present yourself. Like you said, connecting with people, you were nervous and all those things at, at first. And I figured that you were, but I said, you know, the whole confidence thing, meaning, that you have to, at least in this, in that situation, fake it till you make it kind of thing to mm -hmm. present yourself as confident, even if you're scared and nervous. Um, yeah. And I just think you saying that and learning how to get all the skill sets that you gain during that process of trying to get your first, you know, um, vending machine into a store that especially at a young age like that that is super commendable. And you just you had that vision. You read the book. You saw oh this is you know, doable. And what can I do? You re researched different things. And then you just like, you dug in. And even if it wasn't working for like a year, you started a vending machine business in the <laughs> pandemic when yeah. places were closed and people were not going anywhere in public. Like, guys, do you understand? Did you just hear that? She mm -hmm. started, you were, you were still under 20 when you started the business? Yeah. Under no 20. <laughs> started a hands-on in-person business in a pandemic when all the businesses were closed. 
And yeah. she still like just kept pushing through and put her flies on the door. Like, I don't care. It's a pandemic. Y'all closed, but I'm gonna put this fly under y'all door because when y'all right. open it up, y'all gonna need my vending machines. Right. Like that, come on, man. Like that is the, the best story I have ever heard. Um, <laughs> and I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Congratulations. I, I just applaud you so much for that. So <laughs> thank you. What, once you got that first vending machine, Mm-hmm. Then what was the next steps and how long did it take you, you your vending machine businesses, you have three machines now, right? Or did you, do you have more? Well, actually, um, I just sold all my machines oh. in, um, in, in New York. Um, but I mean, I know earlier you asked me like, what am I doing here in Costa Rica? So actually, oh, yes. uh, oh wait, wait, pause, pause, pause. Cause I didn't even tell okay, you. Okay. Guys, Kenzie right now is in Costa Rica. And I was like, wait a minute, if you're in Costa Rica, why are you even doing this podcast? And she said, oh, I guess work ethic. (laughs) And then I said, how long are you in Costa Rica for? And she said, until May? Mm -hmm. For whoever is not listening to this when it airs, it is February 22nd right now. (laughs) This girl is staying in Costa Rica until May. And I wanted to know why and how. And I guess she's about to tell us now. Yeah, so um, I was just looking at really the market, the vending market. I think um, vending is, like I mentioned earlier, a great business, and I definitely see it um, blossoming in the future. So I think um, with just AI and um, how internet and Zoom has um, created this, um, or remote working has created this um, environment where people really don't want to I wouldn't say don't want to, but are more willing to, um, you know, do things with like machines, um, computers and stuff. So honestly, I see vending being something where it takes over, you know, common things like grocery stores. There's there's no longer going to be a cashier, you know, there's going to be a machine talking to you, a robot. So um, in the, especially where I lived, um, I was in New York, um, vending is a very saturated over there. Um, so I wanted to, you know, move over internationally and expand vending here and introduce a lot of the great um, vending stores that we have in New York and bring them overseas. So being that I was born here in Limon, Costa Rica, um, I thought this was a great place to start. Um, I know the environment. Um, I know that uh, something like this has never been introduced to this market. And I, I'm really confident that it can do pretty well here. So I'm here just uh, setting that up right now, um, looking for a location, um, trying to bring, you know, new vending machines in here. And yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing in Costa Rica. Oh my God, guys. Y'all, if you're listening, you cannot see my facial expression, but I am like, I'm I'm all founded right now. You, <laughs> you said... New York City was too saturated with vending. So instead of me just going to another state, I'm going to go across the world, halfway across the world to another country and someplace that I know they got no vending machines and I'm going to introduce vending machines here. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes you have to, that is the epitome of thinking big. Think big mm-hmm. or go home. Like right. you literally went halfway across the world. Actually, it's Costa Rica's south, but still, you—it's not a quick flight. 
I know yes. that. I've been there before. It's not a quick flight. So you went all the way down to Costa Rica. And I guess it does help that you you said you were born there, but you didn't you weren't raised there. How when did you move to America? When I was 10. Okay. So uh, long enough to kind of have an idea, but that's okay. still, do you have family down there? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. that, it does help. It's not completely mm-hmm. foreign, but you are, you know, at least a decade, if not more from when you were last there. And to yeah. just think about going back there um, and setting up and taking your skill set that you learned here and using it down there. Um, I just think, oh my God, I can't wait to see what this looks like and how that explodes because that has the potential to be huge, super mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. If there's nothing like that down there and you start that there, you bring that there, people aren't going to know what to do with themselves. You might have ruined Costa Rica, Costa Rica <laughs> forever. They're going to be wanting everything, snap, snap, snap. I just need my chips real quick out the machine. Like yeah. I don't want to wait. But I think that's just super insightful to look at what is happening in the market and how you said mm-hmm. grocery short stores are even going to be replaced by like vending machines and just other machines because the, the way AI is moving um, and mm-hmm. things are more, people are more comfortable with tech. And that's true. Right. Like vending machines haven't really expanded to like clothing items. So even the lashes you were talking about, I've seen those in vending mm-hmm. machines, shoes, like roll up ballet flats and vending machines, like by nightclubs. I think that's smart. Um, and I've seen like salads and airports at vending machines. Like there's so many things you can really put full meals in vending machines. They have like pizza vending machines now. I was looking. Pizza? Yeah, they're making like pizza in the vending machines and they're plotting that out. So like a fresh pizza they're making in a the fresh, machine. A fresh pizza, yes. So I, I have Jay-Z seen. Just, Jay-Z actually just invested in that. Mm-hmm. see the problem is going to be depending on where the vending machines are, are at the line is going to be so long trying to get the fresh pizza you might as well just go to the pizza i mean i definitely want to try it like i've never had a pizza out of the i know maybe that try it too especially because i think i've seen some kind of automated like pizza being made on a conveyor belt kind of thing situation mm-hmm. so if they have like exact and that's the thing with when it's a machine and you put in exact quantities of like mixing the dough and the sauce right. and stuff like it's 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 that same way every single time they'll never be different mm-hmm. right so you'll know what to expect and whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad they'll just have to tweak their recipe right or their option exactly okay. okay guys don't kill me but i'm gonna have to cut this episode short this is too juicy and we need to do this in a part two so stay tuned for the next episode that airs and you can hear the rest of our conversation did you love this episode of share the wealth show be sure to connect with nicole by following her on linkedin instagram or facebook if you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest make sure you not only put them in your bag But if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. 
with LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.